Welcome to All Shall Be Well, a conversation hosted by InterVarsity's Women in the Academy and Professions, giving voice to women seeking to live fully into their God-given callings and be a redeeming influence, whether in the university or beyond. Welcome, this is Caroline Trissick, and on this episode of All Shall Be Well, our second episode in our Advent series, we'll be talking with three different women in the university setting about this most wonderful, stressful time of the year. Our first guest is Charlene Brown, graduate student en route to medical school from Durham, North Carolina. Thanks so much for being with us, Charlene. With most of our audience in academia, would you share a little bit about your educational background and what led you to your current vocation? Yeah, so I grew up, was born and raised in Virginia, and I went to the University of Virginia where I was a religious studies and sociology double major. Uh, When I graduated from UVA, I went to Duke Divinity School where I got my MDiv, and then I've been in ministry for the last seven years. And last year, I uh, decided that I wanted to be a doctor. So I started a post-bac program and am in process of kind of taking the MCAT and heading in that direction. That's awesome. So you're like in full-time school mode then, yeah? Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's exam (laughs) season. (laughs) Nice. Well, thanks for taking some time out to be with us today. Um, Can you share a little bit then too about your spiritual background or tradition or traditions that you came from? Yeah, so I actually became a Christian in college at UVA during my first semester where I stumbled into a campus ministry meeting and just fell in love with it, fell in love with the way that people cared for each other and the way that they talked about God and justice and went to a Baptist church while I was there in seminary. I went to a lot of different churches, but mostly stuck around uh, the Presbyterian church. And then I'm ordained in the vineyard. So okay. it's a pretty eclectic background. And then currently I'm at a non-denominational church. So um, I've got a lot of experience in different traditions. That's great. Then you're able to like experience God in different ways and see um, how has that, how have those different denominations shaped you? Yeah, I think part of what I've gained from those different uh, traditions is ways to experience God. So um, I'd say that, uh, like, I've learned to kind of be quiet and to be still, but I've also learned what it means to praise God with your whole body or to listen to God or um, what it means that the Holy Spirit speaks. And so each one of those experiences, I think, have shaped the person that I've become because I've just learned how to be with God in different ways. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then how about Advent? How has Advent typically been observed um, in some of those traditions? Yeah, so I wasn't familiar with the liturgical calendar until I was in seminary. And I was like, what is this? Like, (laughs) how is there one book or person or thing that tells us what to read? Like, shouldn't we just be led by the Spirit? And in the process of being in seminary, I was like, oh, wow, there's something interesting about slowing down, about using the text and waiting for Christmas, waiting for celebration, waiting for joy. This kind of feeling that we all feel of kind of longing for God to be with us uh, instead of just jumping and preaching through December about Christmas, right? Mm -hmm. So I love that Advent 
has been the thing that says, hey, things are not right in the world, but God longs to be with us. We long to be with God and that God is coming to make all things right again. So I I try to practice Advent. Like I make an Advent wreath every year and on Sundays enjoy lighting the candles at dinner for me and my friends and then reading the passages of scripture that kind of teach us to slow down and to observe and to, to watch for the ways that God is moving in our world and to pray for the ways that we long for God to move as well. Nice. And you mentioned earlier, um, before we started recording the interview, that you're living in an intentional community. So are you celebrating um, Advent? Celebrating feels like the wrong word. Uh, (laughs) Observing, maybe observing Advent in your community at home. Is that sort of how that's going? Or can you say about that? So I live in a, a kind of intentional community with people who have developmental disabilities. Um, so I have a number of friends who live on the street that we gather together where there's morning prayer and evening prayer. Um, and in my particular household, we try to do dinner on Sundays and to read the text because we have young kids who are two, four, and six and to light the candle together and talk about ways that, we, um, that we're longing to see Jesus in our world. That's beautiful. How has it shaped you uh, living in that community? Yeah, that's a great question. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry to put you on the spot there. Yeah, I think what I've learned most from living in this community is presence, what it means to be with people. Uh, I think a lot about the song. So my favorite Advent kind of song is Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Mm -hmm. And um, what I love about that song is it's it's kind of a desire for God to just be with us, to be here, to be present. And when I'm with people in this community, it's this overarching longing of just, just be here, just be present. Don't be thinking about exams or what you have to do tomorrow, but like, just to be present where you are and enjoying people's company and what they bring to the table. Mm, And that's so hard, I think. I mean, I'm a grad student right now too, and it's, you know, we're in the midst of finals week and it's so hard, I feel like, to have your mind and your whole self be present uh, like you shared. And so you're in the midst of finals right now too, maybe, or maybe you just finished it up last week. I can't remember what you shared, but I still got one more week of finals. Pray for one me. more week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what are some of the challenges that you're facing this time of year, especially with the busyness uh, and stress of the academic world? Yeah, I totally forgot having been out of school for so long, how much the academic calendar <laughs> tries to dictate how I live my life. So as much as I have this deep desire to like, live into the four weeks, you know, before Christmas and to observe Advent, I am totally being kind of rocked and shaped by the academic calendar and how um, exams, exams wait for no one. So uh, I'm trying to like observe Sabbath to be present with people. And then in my mind, I'm also thinking about how busy I am, how much stuff I have to do the work that needs to get done before the semester is over and all the exams that I have to take. And I'm having to learn to balance that again. So it's hard, but I feel like I, I'm doing it. I tell my friends, like, this is the first time back. It's been hard. 
but but I'm, I'm getting used to it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's definitely been a challenge for me as well. So um, I appreciate you sharing your experiences. Um, how about waiting? You talked earlier about waiting. Um, waiting is so countercultural. How how do you think we can learn to slow down and wait and enter into the spirit of waiting during Advent? Yeah, one of the practices that I've enjoyed is just the practice of, of being mindful um, because it's my tendency. I'm a seven on the Enneagram. I love fun. I love to avoid painful things. I love celebrating that uh, I just had to be mindful of places where there is um, like sorrow or grief or just challenges in this world. That like when I watch the news or read the paper or I'm talking with friends who are um, just deeply grieving or sad to be present in that and to be mindful of of the ways that our, our world is broken. Um, and it is countercultural, particularly in the month of December. Like, I feel like Thanksgiving happened and the next day, all of the Christmas things were up at the store that like, mm-hmm. we just want to rush from thing to thing. But that's something that I think scripture, scripture teaches us is just this waiting and being mindful and um, kind of having this expectation of God. And if we don't practice expectation, I think we don't know how to receive the gifts of God. So for me, it's been about practicing that kind of mindfulness and um, learning to wait on God rather than jumping to the big party. Yeah, that, that's great. And then, so in addition to mindfulness and sort of just being uh, expectant. Are there any other spiritual practices that you do to observe Advent? Yeah, I think the wreath making has been a spiritual practice, not one of your yeah, traditional sure. ones, but like when you're, I feel like when you're actually like kind of making it and putting together to think about, I usually kind of pray and think about like what I want this Advent season to encompass, right? So that even in the, um, uh, the diligence of making the wreath, I'm like preparing for Advent. Uh, For me, every Sunday, sitting at the table uh, with friends and enjoying a meal together and talking about what Advent means is important. Um, I also try to take a retreat during Advent, which has been hard now that I'm I'm back in school. I was like, when does this retreat happen? Like there's no, (laughs) I'm so busy. When school's over, there's a lot of other things I have to do because then I'm playing catch up. So just trying to be like, I don't know, um, calm and collected about that and uh, what it means to prepare for Advent the whole time. And, you know, I don't try to get down on myself if things don't happen the way that I think they should happen and whether my expectations are are met or not. But I do try to figure out ways kind of in my daily life of uh, reading an Advent devotional, lighting candles, Um, and enjoying friends and talking about some of those challenges or ways that we um, feel the suffering of the world. Mm. So if you were able to take that retreat, uh, you know, even in the busyness of of getting ready for Christmas and and med school and everything that's going on, what would that retreat look like for you? Mm. Well, the thing that I love and hate about retreats is like, the fact that everything kind of stops, right? Like mm. usually I go off to a retreat center or something and you're there 
and everything kind of catches up with you. And you realize how tired you are. You realize what a year it's been or what a semester it's been. And it's just the opportunity to sit and reflect with God. And then I try to think about like what I want the next few weeks or um, this time where I'm not doing work and I'm not in classes, what I want that time to look like and how I hit the reset button, um, as well as just enjoying who God is and the season that I'm in. So I spend, I guess I spend a lot of time reflecting on the past few weeks or months and then just thanking God for that. So usually 24 hours, 48 hours of resting. I spend a lot of time maybe sleeping. Some people think that that's bad. I think that that's, it's a good special <laughs> discipline when you're a student to yes. get three hours of sleep. Yes. And it's the thing that feels impossible, but what if that's also God's invitation for us is to rest, right? Mm-hmm. That rest is not just stopping what you're doing, but it's also sleeping and resting your body. So all of that. Excellent. Um, and it reminds me of that hymn. I, it's, I think it's joy to the world. I can't remember for sure. I would have to sing the whole song in my head, but we don't have time <laughs> for that. Where it, what's the, the line is, you know, prepare him room. Um, yeah. And so earlier you were talking about making the wreath and preparing something and, and sort of, it's almost a metaphor of like preparing him room and then taking that retreat is a space where you can prepare room for him in your heart and in your life. Um, and literally like carving out a space and time to, to do that. Um, uh, so earlier you mentioned O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, but is there another particular song or, or is that one of the, the key songs for you um, that's especially meaningful to you related to Advent? Yeah, so O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is probably uh, my favorite hymn. And there's a version by High Street Hymns. Uh, it's a good friend of mine, Alex Mejias, and another individual where they kind of fuse uh, uh, a traditional hymn with hip hop and talk about the ways that the world longs and groans for, um, for Christ's return. So that's a favorite. I think Isaiah 30 um, is probably one of my favorite passages to read during this time. It has been particularly um, meaningful for me this year. And it's about Israel uh, wanting to turn to kind of their old habits to Pharaoh, to Egypt, and God inviting them to turn to him. Mm. Uh, And so when I think about Advent this year in particular, I thought about the ways that I've tried to grasp to old things or familiar things instead of turning to God um, when I think about the the state of our world, right? That like there are things that I know might work, like maybe to get out there and, and to talk to people, to protest, to think, um, to learn more about something. But what if part of learning to wait in expectation is to turn to God and to trust God? Mm. Um, that feels like the, the hardest part uh, for me because it, mm. it's almost the most intangible. And it's also, as Christians, the most tangible thing we have is to hope for for God. Mm. Yeah, I like that. That's, yeah, interesting to think about turning to God is the easiest and the hardest thing we can do. Yeah. So, well, is there any, do you have any final thoughts for us on Advent or grad school life, or I mean, med school life um, in general? Yeah. Don't be controlled by the academic calendar. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I, I think what's been most important for me is to figure out how to let 
um, my faith, to let scripture, to let uh, this season, Advent season, like guide my studies so that I don't fall into the, the rat wheel race of trying to get things done and to accomplish because that's the, that's the temptation of academia is to, is to be amazing and to be awesome and to accomplish something uh, unimaginable. And I, I think that that's part of, part of it, but I don't think that that's all of it. I think God is calling us to be with him. And in that, all of those other things come. So. Mm. That's a great word to close on. So thank you so much, Charlene, for sharing your time with us um, uh-huh. and your your wisdom and thoughts about Advent. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Our next guest is Allison Pichel, a teacher and graduate student from the Twin Cities area in Minnesota. Hi, Allison. Thanks so much for being with us today. With most of our audience in academia, would you share a little bit about your educational background and what led to your current vocation? So I went to Valparaiso University for my undergrad, which is in Northwest Indiana, and it's a small Lutheran uh, university, and I chose it because of the size and the location being kind of close to home. Um, But from there, they had a large emphasis on vocation, and so a lot of our coursework and our time together was spent really kind of thinking about um, not just what you're doing, but why you're doing it. And I realized that my initial choice of going into elementary education uh, was not so much about uh, being the teacher and making sure that kids know the things, but being an adult who shows children what love looks like. And so that has shaped and framed what I do and um, kind of helped me prioritize some of the things that I think about. And from there, I have decided to pursue a master's in literacy education and kind of with that same focus of literacy allows students to access the world in a variety of different ways. And so many times reading becomes the thing that distances them or or stops kids or students or families or adults from pursuing other things. Uh, It's not that I want all kids or every kid to be... the kid who's always holed up reading a book in the corner. Um, but I want kids and students, families to know that um, whatever opportunities they do want to pursue, they're able to. That's great. I like what you said about being a person that shows kids what love looks like. Did I get that right? Yeah. Um, can you say a little bit more about what you mean by that? What does that look like? Well, a lot of my students that I'm working with now and, and even, um, I need to step back. I am a reading interventionist right now, currently in my position. Uh, Before that, I was a fifth grade teacher, reading teacher uh, for a whole class. And so the task then is is you need to teach them the content, but there are ways to do that that make students feel affirmed in who they are and um, the uniqueness of themselves as a person. And there are ways to do that, that totally focus on the content and can sometimes um, just be the authority in the room versus the the minions that you're in pouring knowledge into. So it, my focus and my goal in the classroom is on the relationship, relationship aspect of it rather than um, 
I guess, just being the body who has the information. So then spiritually, how do you, I guess you're in the public schools, right? Yes. So incorporating your spirituality into what you do, is that a thing? It is. I I think kids provide us a lot of opportunities and even working with the adults that I work with too, to show grace and to show forgiveness in a really practical sort of sense that um, I saw you make a mistake today and I want to help you to fix it so that you don't have to keep making that mistake. And I want to show you how to do that without berating or belittling you, um, but building up your capacity for empathy and love. And we do that through text too, which is one of the things that I really love about the site that I'm in. We've um, started showing students um, just a variety of different texts so they can see um, how differences are something to be celebrated and embraced. And kids are really open to that kind of empathy. So um, if I'm really great at soccer and you're really not, that's fine. If that kid uses a walker, that doesn't define the kid who uses a walker. That's just a, a part of who they are. And I think that's another aspect too, that I get to really um, share the love of Christ, that we all come to each other with a variety of different gifts and skills and talents. Um, and that's something that we can embrace. Awesome. So I got us a little sidetracked. So yeah. Advent, <laughs> so can you share, before we jump into how you celebrate Advent or observe Advent, can you share a little bit about your spiritual background and the tradition that you come from or traditions, if there's more than one? Yeah. So I need to say that I'm raised in Minnesota, which I've always joked a little bit by default makes me part Lutheran. Um, we just, I, I grew up thinking that that was the largest denomination. I did not, um, I was not raised Lutheran, however, but all of my friends around me were. So I have a lot of experience with, or familiarity with those kinds of traditions. I was raised Seventh-day Adventist, um, which is uh, a little outside the realm of, I think, mainstream Christianity, only in that people always furrow their brows and say, what's that again? Um, if they haven't had any experience. And um, seventh day refers to Saturday and observing the seventh day of creation, which is uh, Sabbath. And so we observe Friday, sundown Friday to sundown Saturday as a Sabbath, a day of rest. And the Adventist part, um, in which kind of led me to this conversation, is um, anticipating the soon return of Christ in his second coming. So. Advent is a, a place that I feel very comfortable with, and then experiencing it again in the context of a Lutheran university where so many of my classmates and, um, were Lutheran, and I married a man who was raised Lutheran. So we have that kind of kind of combo tradition of those sorts of things um, has really made me appreciate the season that. The church seasons themselves, Advent, Lent, and Easter, those sorts of things. Um, but my upbringing of in, always waiting in this anticipation of the thing that is to come um, makes Advent feel like a very ongoing sort of season for me. I like that, the always waiting, perpetual sort of waiting. And in a lot of ways, that's very countercultural, right? Um, yeah. Our culture doesn't like waiting. We like to just jump to the celebration. Uh, we like to 
hurry up. I mean, it's not even November. We're recording this on November 18th, I think. I don't know what day it is. Um, But like everybody's posting pictures already of their Christmas trees being up, lights on the house, the whole nine yards. And Thanksgiving is next week, but it's even a week early this year. So there's this jump to go ahead and celebrate Christmas straight away, right? Um, So how do you how do you practice waiting, um, both as a, as just a a person, but also as a grad student, a teacher, you have a family, you're, you're working full-time, you're in grad school, you're juggling things, I imagine. And, and then yet practicing waiting in this like perpetually busy time of year. So it, that is a huge challenge. Um, and even thinking about that today, as I and you are going to have this conversation, something that's come up recently for me is really embracing a mantra. And in my undergrad experience, I had a professor who talked about this, and I can't remember, it's a famous monk who had this, and I can't remember his name, but who, who embraced having kind of a mantra for the season that you're in. So I would encourage others to try that. For me right now, it's the mantra of... Um, moving forward, which sounds the antithesis of waiting, but it's the idea of taking one step at a time to keep myself moving forward. And that things might not be perfect for whatever the thing is that I need to accomplish or want to accomplish, but to keep myself moving forward in um, relationships, to keep myself moving forward as a person who has goals to meet, and, and that sort of thing. So that I just can't sit and be worried about the busyness or can't sit and be overwhelmed in where I should be, but practically just taking a breath and saying, okay, take one step to move forward. And then the other um, kind of aspect with that is I'm in a season where I've had to really, really be thoughtful about the things that I say yes to So I'm being really conscious about is what I'm saying yes to going to help me move forward in those sorts of goals? Or is it something that I unapologetically need to say no and say, for me right now, no, that's not going to work. For my family, for the sake of the goals that I have, no, I'm not going to do that. And I think there's a way to, to be really gracious and straightforward. And I think that that is countercultural. And a lot of people respond to that too. If you just say, you know, I really would like to come to the cookie baking fun thing. But for me right now, I need to focus on my family. And a lot of people, oh, that's so great of you focusing on your family. All right. You know, so you kind of get that sort of positive feedback loop. But even if you don't, you just need to know that for, for the decisions, you're making your own decisions and it's okay to say no to something. Yeah, I heard recently someone say something similar about when you're saying no to something, you're saying yes to something else. And that idea that you may actually receive positive feedback from people as you set good boundaries for your life. On the other hand, you might have people that react negatively to your the boundaries that you need for yourself. But either way, you're setting up a way for yourself to, to invest in what matters for this particular time, right? Um, so speaking then more about Advent and the moving forward in Advent while you're still waiting, so you're moving and waiting at the same time, what are, (laughs) 
What are some other spiritual practices that you do to observe Advent? I think one of the thing that, things that has been most profound for me is Sabbath keeping. Um, as a kid, I really hated it, just to be perfectly honest, because um, I wanted to do fun stuff and my friends were out doing stuff. And our family, um, as soon as sundown on Friday, um, all electronics went off. And so there was no Friday night TV or movies. I didn't do sleepovers on Friday nights when a lot of my friends were doing that sort of thing. I didn't go to birthday parties on Saturday mornings. And it was a, it's a discipline and it's a practice that there are some points that are difficult. But now as an adult, and even as a college student, setting that boundary of saying no, I, I don't do anything during this time. I sit and I wait. So that's my time to wait and to be with God. Um, I find it as a good time to be with family. And so the tradition that we have in our family is that I get together with, I should say my whole family gets together with the rest of my whole family. So we go over to grandma and grandpa's house and we have a meal. And kind of the interesting part of that conversation or that time is that we have to wait. Grandma makes this delicious meal, but we have to wait a, a little bit once we get there to eat it. And then there's always dessert and coffee afterwards. And to have a conversation with your family members every afternoon, Saturday afternoon is a little bit tricky because once you exhaust the three really cool things that you did for the week, then conversation lags. And I think that that part has been one of the most meaningful things to me because there's been times where you have to sit in silence and wait around people that you love and you cherish. And eventually the conversation picks up again, but in the rush for fulfilling and having an instantaneous gratification and that sort of thing, it's been a time where we really look, hit pause and have some moments of silence as we wait for each other. And I think um, Sabbath has really taught me that to just sit and wait. So I would encourage others to try it too. It's been challenging, a very challenging discipline, but also immensely rewarding to know that that is coming. So every week there's that anticipation of this rest that is to come. And then to actually sit in that space of, I wish I could be working on my paper, or I wish I could be doing the mountain of to-do list that I have. And I think God knows that, that I'm, I'm, a very, I'm a human person who needs that. But just saying no to that sort of thing as well, in order to be in this other space. It prioritizes the week for me too that I do that thing first and then I attend to the minutia and the, the kind of human life that I need to live. And I love that literally you're just sitting and being present with one another. And that I think that can translate even to if, you know, we might not be going over to massive amounts of family if, if we're all, if some of us live far, far away, but it translates to just sitting and being present even with God as we wait. We don't even have to talk. Uh, we can just eat cookies and dessert and coffee together. Yeah. <laughs> so I love that spiritual practice of, of Sabbath keeping. I think that's something that can be really challenging and really rewarding in the sense that God intended it for us for a reason as a good thing. Yeah. Um, but certainly uh, countercultural. So finally, is there a particular song or scripture or poem 
or some other set of words that are especially meaningful to you related to Advent? So with my uh, growing up tradition of being Seventh-day Adventist, we often have sermons and songs that uh, invoke this anticipated soon return of Christ. And so a lot of the hymns that I enjoyed singing out of the Advent section of the Lutheran hymnal feel really kind of like part of my Seventh-day Adventist tradition. And so I'm going to share two with you. One is from um, Isaiah, and it's also translated into a hymn. And the hymn is called Comfort, Comfort All My People. But it's from Isaiah 40. And um, I'm going to read it for you, if that's okay. You're not going to sing it for us? You know? (laughs) Do what you want. (laughs) That's not one of the gifts that God gave me. But the scripture says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill will be made low. And the uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So that to me means like very literally for Isaiah and the people that he's speaking to, right? That that he's proclaiming comfort and that this time has ended. And then thinking about the Advent season and that God has placed a provision and a plan in place and now it's being enacted. And then thinking about Jesus' second coming, that that plan is going the step further and that everything that we feel sorrow and pain about is going to be um, fixed. Cool. I love it. It's okay that you didn't sing. You said there was a second hymn. Could you share that one with us as well? Yeah, this is an um, Adventist hymn from, I believe it's the 1962 meeting of Seventh-day Adventists, and it's called We Have This Hope. And so I pulled up the lyrics because I am not a singer, and um, I need to make sure that I read them correctly. It says, we have this hope that burns within our hearts, hope in the coming of the Lord. We have this faith that Christ alone imparts, faith in the promise of his word. We believe the time is here when the nations far and near shall awake and shout and sing, hallelujah, Christ is king. Excellent. Now do you sing that on Christmas? We sing that every week. Oh, every single week. Yeah. Awesome. And it's a very high song. A lot of people are annoyed by it because um, it goes out of their range. But I like it because I don't know how to sing very well. And so I just do what I would do. (laughs) (laughs) Loud and proud. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time with us and your thoughts about Advent. Our next guest is Reverend Amy Shorner Johnson, campus chaplain at Elizabethtown College in Pennsylvania. Well, hi, Amy. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. With most of our audience in academia, would you share a little about your educational background and what led you to your current vocation? 
Sure. So one, I'm really glad to be with you. Um, I went to college not quite, quite knowing what I was going to be doing in life, um, but just more so I had this, I, I loved education. I loved um, getting that chance. And I quickly fell in love with, because I went to Carson Newman College down in Tennessee. And at that point it was, well, and it still is a religious school that required you to take um, an Old Testament and New Testament course. And I, I, you know, always loved going to church and I equally fell in love with the Bible in those courses and decided to become a religion major, not knowing what I was going to do with that. And then one of my um, professors said, you know, you, I don't know what it is that you think you want to do, but I think you should go to seminary. And I said, well, I've never really thought about that. And he said, Amy, you need to go to seminary or else you're going to be saying, do you want fries with that the rest of your life? <laughs> no joke. Um, and, but I think what it was is that for me, uh, it, there were a lot of people in my life that told me that ministry wasn't for women, except that I had seen women doing ministry all my life. Um, they were my Sunday school teachers and I had a youth minister that was a woman and, um, and, and, while they wouldn't necessarily have uplifted that, I quickly found that um, but it's it was so ingrained into who I was. And so I went to seminary uh, down in Atlanta, Georgia. So, and the rest is history. <laughs> so where are you now? So now I'm at Elizabethtown College uh, as one of the chaplains there. And, um, and I kind of oversee religious life programming. Great, great. Um, would you share a little bit about your uh, your background and the traditions that you come from? Right. Or tradition. So, yep. And well, I would say traditions. It seems <laughs> so. Um, I grew up as a Southern Baptist, and uh, partly again because of the women in ministry thing, I ended up joining with the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, um, which is more down uh, south than it is up here. There the closest connection up here would be the American Baptist. Um, and, but truly like American Baptists in Pennsylvania are a little, um, a little more like Southern Baptists. And so I have actually found myself in a United Church of Christ and that seems to be the best fit for me. Um, I laugh because my husband is Episcopalian and grew up though also going to like a Presbyterian church and a Catholic Bible study and the Wesleyan congregation. And it, because we have moved so many places, we have gone to so many different churches and, um, and found a beautiful way of being with a community, with a Christian community in each of those places. And, um, and I just have, you know, I think we've always been drawn more to the people and, um, but I've learned a lot from all of those traditions. And for me, actually Advent came more out of, uh, my husband's Episcopal tradition, as well as the First Baptist Church that I served in, because they would kind of have considered themselves Episcopalists, I think. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, so that that idea has continued. And actually, I would even say, for me, um, right now in the United Church of Christ, they kind of practice Advent, but they kind of practice it half-heartedly. And that is one area that sometimes I get more frustrated in because I'm like, the, the waiting has become such a beautiful thing for me that when it's not 
completely done, right? And we accidentally say Merry Christmas before Christmas is even here. Um, it, it's it's kind of like, I don't even know where I'm at sometimes. So I feel like I have to really carve out some space to wait and to prepare in a unique and different way currently than I used to be able to do. So. Yeah. And what are what are some of the ways then that Advent was typically observed or celebrated? Is it right to say celebrated Advent? Do you celebrate Advent? I, Do you observe I mean, it? I think, so. I, I think I, you know, I, I think a lot of people. Yeah, what a good question. Um, I think that celebrate is not necessarily the right word, but it is that prepare preparation that Mm -hmm. you really are getting ready you're getting ready for the celebration um and and you know that can partly be like the idea of readying the house unless you're you know particularly fond of celebrating cleaning (laughs) 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 celebrating that but it is part of what prepares you to be able to celebrate wholeheartedly and and be present and that's kind of that I mean that to me so much is the is part of what my advent practice is so yeah thanks yeah and then maybe not cleaning but decorating (laughs) (laughs) well do you know like I think there is some I mean so decorating that that's to me the outward work um so much of me my idea of advent is am I readying to welcome Christ here? And that involves a lot of cleaning out for my spirit, mm-hmm. right? And so, um, you know, I, I think of it, I think of it so much as preparing for a child. Um, and that means kind of, I don't know, that I go back to that, like putting away your adult things because you are actually, you know, making the space safe for a child and um, making room. and. Yeah, and I think, so to me, I think I attribute it so much to that story of, of Jesus's birth and, and Mary and Joseph looking for a space in which mm-hmm. they could have a child, right? And I think that there was some, I, I wonder, and that's what I love to do. I, want, I love to wonder about what it was like for them. Are there, is the reason that they were turned away because there actually was no space or there was no space for people who wouldn't be able to rest while Mary was screaming in labor? And would it have been that there was no place for a woman to actually give birth in the rooms? Um, is that the reason that they kind of got turned away? You know, like, I, and I think mm. there is a lot of, you know, you can't just go in and have a baby. You have to be a baby. Right. And, and I think too, for me, Christmas is like, so what is it that I am looking for if I am welcoming a child who was, that nobody was actually ready for, right? That we thought we were preparing for a king and, and he comes to shepherds and, and there's something about my ego that has to get out of the way. And, and, and to me now, if I translate that to my modern day story, then I have to say, what is it about Christmas that we have taken on that is really not about Christmas that I need to put away. Um, I maybe I don't need to be expecting presents. Maybe I need to be preparing myself to give more than I'm willing, more more than I'm willing to give. And maybe that I need to be focusing more on being willing to give than to receive. And so many times my expectations of Christmas are about receiving, and I have to say, you know, this is 
what am I preparing for? Mm -hmm. And literally and sort of figuratively creating space. Yes. In all the ways. So then as a chaplain on a college campus, how do you find or create that space amidst the sort of frenzy of the end of the semester? How do you enter into that spirit of waiting during that That time? That is a great question because I always feel like it is at odds with everything that we do on campus, partly because, of course, the semester ends early. But, you know, last night we had our Thanksgiving dinner that they throw in with the Christmas tree lighting and singing Christmas carols Mm -hmm. and chocolate. And um, and for me, it is more about inviting students to kind of say, you know, like I know that every everybody is doing all the Christmas stuff, but what actually are the Christmas pieces that are meaningful to you? And, and, and what is it that you do to get ready? So sometimes it is merely asking the question. Of course, we have people from a wide variety of different traditions and, um, as is typical of many of the campuses up here in Elizabeth, in Pennsylvania, um, we have a large Catholic you know, Catholic group, and they practice Advent beautifully. Um, So they, you know, I think that they are kind of like, you know, we we just kind of dabble in both. Um, But that is something that I feel like more so for a lot of people who have never practiced Advent, it is simply introducing the idea of preparation. And sometimes it's just, you know, asking little questions. Hmm. And then what about... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I find that students are excited about the idea because it invites them to slow down. And Mm -hmm. at this point in the semester, slowing down and and actually taking some time for reflection, it often feels like there isn't that time. But, you know, you kind of talk about time as being something that is not not necessarily needing to be, I I recently read this, uh, not time not needing to be a bully, (laughs) but being Mm -hmm. able to, to kind of celebrate that season to say, let's, let's talk about what is realistic here. Right. And, and what time really is. Hmm. I like that phrase, time, not, not allowing time to be a bully. (laughs) I do too. (laughs) So my ideas about life. (laughs) Sure. And then how do you personally sort of invite your, you talked about inviting students to slow down, but how do you invite even yourself to slow down during this time? Yeah. So I'm, um, I feel like I do something different every season. My husband and I try and intentionally look at the places where we can give rather than receive And we've made a concerted effort to try and do experiences, again, kind of related to time versus stuff, you know, and and kind of saying no to consumerism, which seems to be the antithesis of Christmas to me and Advent as well. The thing that specifically this year is that I am trying to cultivate a, a sense of wonder. And so that means kind of carving out some actual work hours to say, I'm going to do some dreaming instead of just kind of running the rat race. And, um, and I'm going to spend some time intentionally going around to students and faculty and staff and asking some questions about what is going on in their lives and, and inviting them to reflect. And, uh, you know, I'm, 
I, I feel like I kind of bump up Advent because of the way that the calendar year works with students to their kind of season of when Christmas starts. Mm-hmm. So um, I've got a meeting today where I'm going to be doing very similar things to this. And, um, and it's been really rewarding because students kind of tend to, uh, or at least the students that I'm interacting with are, are tending to kind of just, you know, they, they breathe this beautiful sigh sometimes I find. And to me, that is almost a gift of the spirit as well. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, I, I see a lot of the possibility of wonder entering in when we just take that pause. Right. So nice. I like that. Mm -hmm. And then are, are there any other spiritual practices that you do that you'd love to share about observing Advent? That's a great question. I, unfortunately, I don't feel like in this season of life, I don't do anything consistently. But I think it is, for me, the the practice that my husband and I have in kind of talking through Advent, both with our kids and um, and and each other about what what it means to prepare. You know, my my kids love to decorate. Like they would decorate for Christmas every day, and sometimes too because. <laughs> move things around in our house <laughs> you know and it's like okay let's decorate the tree but now we're going to decorate the bookcase and now we're going to decorate the tree again and, you know, and I think I think that that is something that is that is about you know, that, that connects to the um the beauty of preparing for the season and and kind of acknowledging what is there but we we try to read stories together. We try to, um, to talk about the differences between the way that school celebrates Christmas and what, how we celebrate Christmas and really try to focus it not on Santa. And your children are right around the ages where Santa is sort of a big deal, right? Right. So I think um, my daughter is seven and my son is four. And so my daughter, I think, um, yeah, Santa is kind of like probably going to not become a big deal here shortly, but because. Right. Yeah. Last year at school, they made reindeer food and it just undid me. (laughs) (laughs) She had to put it outside and I was like oh no you know and I think to me too that one of my struggles is that we are rarely home for Christmas and so we are you know uh we travel to go see our family who all lives far away and so that also means that we are beholden to their traditions and not as many of our own and so um and those have changed widely too as the kids have grown up and um and that that sometimes messes with like how prepared we actually are. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a good season of mixed messaging out there. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. And then finally to conclude, is there a particular song or scripture or poem that is especially meaningful to you related to Advent? So actually, if you don't mind, I'm going to read you the, um, one of the Advent devotions from Mary Ludy. Um, okay. that comes from the United Church of Christ because yeah, I couldn't quite find I love O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, but I feel like that that is like so overdone as well, right? Like that's, that's the one Advent song that people know besides maybe Low How Our Rose Are Blooming. Um, but Mary Liddy just um, 
means so much to me. So, and this is called uh, Noisy Advent. And it uses the verses Habakkuk 3, 6. God shook the earth. God made the nations tremble. The eternal mountains were shattered. In Advent, we walk on tiptoe, a finger to our lips. A mystery is unfolding in our womb. Contemplation is in order now. Let us be still. Yet a quiet Advent is at odds with typical scriptures. They suggest a ruckus, not a retreat. Stars fall, moons collide, nations groan. God rips open the heavens. Torrents of justice hit parched earth with ear-splitting force. Mountains quake, fire erupts, seas boil. It's a season for insomniacs. Wake up, stay awake, watch out. Heads up, on your feet. The Baptist cries out. Heralds announce on mountaintops, the daughters of Zion, loud exultations keeps her neighbors tossing and turning into the wee hours. God clears the threshing floor, sleeves roll up. Sweaty blacksmiths beat swords into plowshares. Heavy equipment is lined up to bulldoze, level, straighten, build. If we ever imagined that our healing would be a gentle, quiet thing, the Advent scriptures corrects us. It's noisy, heavy lifting. So if we grow quiet in Advent, if we use our indoor voices and walk on tiptoe, let it be so that all the world might better hear this divine rumpus that saves us. The crashing and banging God's ancient promises make as one by one, they all come true. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, amen. Oh. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this special Advent episode of All Shall Be Well, Conversations with Women in the Academy and Beyond. This is Caroline Trissick, and information about our guests can be found on our podcast page at thewell.introversity.org. This has been a production of Women in the Academy and Professions, a focused ministry initiative of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship USA. We value the contribution of podcast guests who are not employed by InterVarsity, and we acknowledge that the opinions of our guests may or may not represent the ministry, doctrine, or policies of InterVarsity. Thank you for joining our conversation as we engage in faith and life together. We'd love to hear your feedback. To share your thoughts or to learn more about who we are or the resources and connections we provide, we invite you to visit us at our online gathering place, The Well. You can find us at thewell.introversity.org.